young to read missionary biographies, to read about missionary life, to be aware of the world around them. You know, now not in this room, I know we wouldn't dare to have this problem, but with, with some people, when you ask them, especially these days watching the Olympics, wonder where that location is. Is that north or south of Yugoslavia? Or is that to the west of, you know, the look on their face is sort of a nice big blur. Our geography's not that great. We don't have a clue. If you read missionary biographies, I promise you, you will spend time looking at a map as well. Because they do travel. They go to different places. They make themselves available to God's service. Why do we have missionaries? The thing I want to say to us is that evangelism is our job. Conversion is God's job. The point is, you cannot make someone else become a Christian. You can have a burden for them. You can have a love for them. You can have a care for them. But ultimately, that decision is theirs and between them and God alone. But if we don't do our responsible job in sharing, if we don't dare to care and step forward, we are being irresponsible with the responsibility God has given us. Our responsibility is to develop disciples, not church members. You know, it's amazing how often I've seen us put emphasis and energy in trying to get people to join the church, push them to be baptized, but somewhere we've forgotten you're baptized because of your walk with Jesus, because you've accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, not just to become another church member and another statistic. We need to take careful careful note of the fact that Christ did not send His disciples to convert the whole world to the church but to make disciples. Jesus is the light, and our call is to simply share that light. I don't know your experience, but I can tell you some of mine is to certainly reveal that some non-Christians dislike very, very greatly being viewed as a target, being viewed as or considering themselves as uh, objects of conversion. You know, when we talk about evangelism, it needs to be out of love. It needs to be out of care. It needs to be out of concern. And sometimes it may take a little while. The fact that the nations, like Canada or America, are viewed by by our world as Christian nations also brings us a problem. Because, in fact, you know and I know that our nations are not Christian. Our nations have Christians in them, but it doesn't make the nation Christian. And when other nations view us that way, and they say, oh, well, America does this, so therefore it's a Christian nation, and that means those are correct values for what a Christian is like. If that thinking comes through, it's a wrong thought. So I try my best to make people distinguish the difference between being a follower of Christ and just being from the West. It's it's inadequate for us to have that kind of thinking. One of the things we have to realize in here as VCBC is that we don't do missions. We are missions. 
If we have no missions in our church, our church is not a healthy church. We're a club. We're a group that comes together to make ourselves feel a little smarter, study a little bit more, be a little bit more knowledgeable about God while not walking with God. God put us here to be salt and light. Salt and light means responsibility. So, you know, there's a, we talk in, the, in theological terms quite a bit about cheap grace. We want people to become Christians. So we tell them about Christ. We tell them about the love of Christ. We tell them about how He wants you to walk with Him. But we leave out the responsibility. The fact is, following Christ daily is not cheap because Jesus gave His life for us in order that we would be able to have eternity. We would be able to have life because of Him. In other words... That would never be cheap because he sacrificed himself on our behalf. It's also not cheap because it's not something that once you become a Christian, okay, it's all over. Now we can sit back and relax. When we become Christian, we're only on step one. When we accept Jesus, it's only step one. Then we have to grow and we have to be be reaching out with the lives that God has given us. So missions is not something necessarily we do. It is our identity. So when I, and I've gotten into these discussions saying, you know, you, you Christians, why are you always uh, going and bothering people in other countries? And, you know, they have perfectly good, I had a lady on an airplane talk to me about that. She said, oh, you're go, she said, you're the one kind of people that really bother me. And I said, tell me about that. She said, well... She said, I know you just came back from China, and you probably got over there and talked to them about Jesus and stuff. Now, this is a Western lady. And I said, well, yeah, I probably did. And she said, yeah, but you know, she said, they have such a beautiful culture. It's so nice, and, and the people are so lovely and so sweet, and I just don't understand. And I kept reflecting and kept thinking, boy, you know different people than I know in China. The people I know in China are seeking purpose and life and direction, just like everybody else. The people that I know in China have a very empty heart, trying to find some kind of a purpose and a direction, some kind of a relationship of eternal value. The people that I know, the ones especially within the house churches that I work with, and the other churches as well, Those are people who are willing to do anything to help the government of China come to know Christ and to have the the people all across China know Jesus because they understand following Christ will give your life meaning. Why do we do missions? We do missions because we can't not do missions. If we're a healthy church, if this church has any kind of training, We need to be standing in line saying, let me in on it. I want to become part of that healthy church. I want to reach out, not because it's an extra activity, it's an extra course I have to take, but because I realize that by being a better missionary with my daily life, I'm actually a better Christian. Many many years ago, I flew into a city... And um, when I arrived there, I had my wonderful experience of being put in the back of a van. And fortunately, it was in the winter, 
So I had on a whole lot of heavy clothing and all this kind of stuff, and I had on a cap, and so it was hard to see me. But they set me down on the floorboard, and we started bouncing out across the road. And, we, and I sat in the floorboard for about two and a half hours. And we got to our destination, which was a little farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. And we drove into the front gate of the farmhouse. Uh, I, I was really beat up and tired. I was so tired. Um, and we, they opened the side, you know, one of those nice little, um, uh, it's a little, it's a very, very small bread van, I guess is what you call it. It's a little, it's just a little bitty van. You know, it's about like this wide, you know. And uh, they opened the door and got us out and they said, okay, you have 15 minutes. That's what they told me. And I said, I have 15 minutes for, oh no, you start speaking in 15 minutes. And so I got, I started stretching and thinking, 15 minutes, and I've got to start speaking. Okay. Well, we met then for the next four and a half hours. And our services that afternoon, we had about 200 people that were there. And it was 200 people that had already been there for five days preparing to go to another part of China to do service and to do starting of churches. Well... The three sex, we had an hour and a half for preaching. We had an hour and a half for a commissioning service because these were going out as missionaries to their country. And then we had an hour and a half for a wedding. And this place was out in the middle of the dust bowl. I mean, I've never seen so much dirt. As but they had six couples married that day. And when these girls came out, they had their hair fixed. Boy, I mean, they were... And the guys came out, you know, and they had on their coats, kind of first time they'd ever had a coat on, you know. And, and they, but it was the most beautiful wedding I've ever seen in that they knew what they were doing. They were coming to get married to go out as couples so that they could then be missionaries around China. To be with them and to sing the songs with them, of course, the songs they sang were what's called Canaan hymns hymns that are written specifically for China. And as you've noticed, music is different. Depends on what world you're from. When I go downstairs and I listen to the Mandarin group here worshiping, the songs they sing are somewhat different from what we do in here with the Cantonese or the English. And part of that has to do with our world experiences. Different, And there's nothing wrong with it. And in fact, it needs to be focused on who we are. But I can still remember we, I, I had been with them for that time of worship and we'd been together all, you know, at this point we're looking at around 8.30, finishing up 9 o'clock in the evening and I was kind of tired and we, we had had all these men and, that had come in for this particular service and they had been there three days. And then I had a couple of the leaders come over to me and they said, would you walk with us? And I thought, walk? Oh, sure, that's exactly what I'd like to do now since I've been standing here preaching for this time. Yes, I said, I'd love to walk with you. Well, that was the first time we were able to go outside of that little farmhouse area. You know the way the farmhouses are in China? They're kind of a square, and they have a high gate so you can't see in. Well, they opened the front gates, and we walked outside. Well, that night there was a bright moon, a lot of stars, we took off for our walk. We walked down the road, and it was, as I say, very dusty and dirty. We, but we walked probably about a quarter of a mile. 
And I have no idea how far that is in kilometers. I'll let you educate me as time goes by. But we walked a good distance, and then we turned into uh, a, a farmhouse area where there was an old building that was about broken down as much as anything I'd ever seen. And we walked inside, and I realized that's where these six leaders had been sleeping. They'd been there during those days, and that's their place. And I, I can still remember looking straight up, and there was a hole probably eight foot. in. I just kept hoping it did not rain while they were there. But you could look straight up at the sky, and I, I looked through, and I did see the, the moon. And I saw that they were sitting on barrels, and they were sleeping on boards that they had put up. And I started uh, talking with them about their work and their dreams and their vision and their goals. Exactly the things that we at BCBC have to constantly think about. We are not here to relax and retire. None of us came here to retire. We came here to serve God. We're a family, but that family doesn't mean that we all get to sit around and only focus on the Finland-Canada hockey game. We can do it some. But there are other things. And we won't even talk about the USA-Canada game. We won't go there. But the, the point is, as I was with these men, the discussion that they wanted to talk about was, what can we do to train people like the 200 who are down the road? How can we train them to be more effective in starting churches and reaching this nation for Jesus? You see, their burden was, number one, Jesus. They wanted their church to be healthy. These six men were the leaders of a particular network of churches in China that actually numbers somewhere, it's in the millions. I've heard numbers anywhere between four and six million. And when you talk with the men and you hear their spiritual depth, you understand why they've been selected to be the ministers and the leaders of those groups. But as we talked and they talked about anything that could be done, having anyone come to do any kind of training, but what we could do to start churches and, and how we could do some joint projects together in different parts of the country, how we could send people into Pakistan and other surrounding areas together to help them be able to go and start a farm where they would have chickens and this kind of thing so they could be self-sustaining. Coming up with different plans and dreams, whatever they could come up with, they wanted to hear about. And we talked for over two hours, and then we prayed for another hour. So now we're looking at sometime after midnight, and finally... I walked out to walk back down the road. And as I walked back down the road, and I got in with the other 200 that were all sleeping on the floor and who had been there for five days already, I remember walking down the road and, and reflecting on who I had been with. I had been with men who were ministers and willing to live in that environment for the kingdom of God. And I kept reflecting, thinking, you know, if I was in... My country. If I was in a Western society, how many of the ministers do I know from that society who would be willing to live the way these men do, day in and day out? 
These men travel constantly, making themselves available to different groups to do training and to do encouragement. Their life is a living sacrifice. Ever heard that term, living sacrifice? Of course you have. It's what we're challenged to be, a living sacrifice with our life. These men took that seriously with all that they did. So, when you ask the question of why missions, I would say the reason for why missions, missions is not what the church does. And as I said, it's who we are. There is no way to not have missions if we're healthy. Another question about missionary life is who is suitable or who is a missionary? Now, when you ask the question, who is a missionary, realistically, we have to recognize there are short-term missionaries, people who go for two weeks, three weeks. We have people who go for two or three months. We have people that go for varying amounts of time. All of these are valuable, but one of the things about a missionary you have to understand is missionaries recognize that man is lost and needs salvation. Without Christ... There is not a second alternative for how you can find life's meaning. Salvation is only in Jesus. Repentance and belief are required. Um, missionaries will understand very clearly that indeed, if evangelism, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, if evangelism that reaches the uttermost parts of the world is not included in our plan, we may very well become only social workers. So when you think about missionaries, what they do for a job is important. It does have to do with how we're contributing. And where do we do missions? And the answer, obviously, again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Wherever God has for us to do it. The focus of God. We have to establish the eyes of Christ as we look around us. I don't know today who your Hudson Taylor is. I don't know who your George Wilson is. I don't know who your Robert Morrison is. But I want to challenge you to realize that missions is not an alternative. Coming to church is not just about uh, having fun with your friends or, or uh, just... Uh, sitting back and telling God somehow we've done what's required of us this week, now we move on. If we're serious about having a healthy VCBC, we're going to have to ask ourselves, what is the mission God has for us? Are we mission in all that we are? This morning we're going to have a commissioning time because we want to bless uh, Yvonne. Yvonne, will you come? And we're going to lay hands on her, and that does not mean we're going to hit her and beat her. It's the other kind of laying on in hands. We're going to put our hands on her, and we're going to pray for God's blessing. And ask Johnny and some others, uh, some of you that would come, we'd like to have maybe eight or ten people that might come forward. We're just going to spend just a time of prayer for her and ask God to be the one who sends her, not just us. And um, this is an important